0: Marajova Shari yo
1: yo, Chorda Pese shali Shari yo yo, hasta arriba de Manusha, en Yardela Ay Pauela,
0: hasta arriba de Manusha, Hello boys and girls, this is Timothy Larry and I'm in... Hello, boys and girls. This is Timothy Larry, and I'm in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Well, the only hope here is WCBN-FM. If you're ever stuck in Ann Arbor, stick around with WCBN-FM. Ann Arbor.
1: (laughs) That's beautiful. Right on.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. It's now 5.01pm and it's time for Living Writers. My name's Dives and I'm here to fill in for tea by playing a pre-recorded episode for you. Um, up next we have Richard Russo. This was an interview that T recorded recently. I hope you enjoy it and I hope it plays because we have been experiencing some technical difficulties So fingers crossed. Good afternoon, you've got Living Writers. I'm T Hetzel today on the program. I'm so happy to have in the studio here Richard Russo. Rick, welcome to Living Writers.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here.
0: Well, thanks for fitting the show in during your your spring spring tour for the destiny thief essays it's supposed on- to be summer
1: you know <laughs> it's the it, same it way okay i'm Port- sing- i'm in it's- portland maine and and uh, we were on the coast of on the coast of massachusetts last week and it was like it, 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 the the highest it got was i believe 65 so
0: oh wow yeah. <laughs> we had a we had a little spate of like the 90s in there so i think yeah. we're all glad i mean yeah let me speak yeah. for all of anna <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for the breeze! Yeah, yeah. But oh, it's so good to see you. And yeah. it's been quite a quite a tour, and you're you're kind of like wrapping it up now and, yep. and coming to town uh, to read at Literati. Um, and and this is a book of essays on writing, uh, writers, and life. Mm-hmm. I like the last part and life too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's just the the destiny thief. Is it would have been a much it would have <laughs> been a much shorter chart.
1: book without the life part.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can attest to that. (laughs) Um, And before we get to the conversation, I'll read the short bio in the back and we'll we'll, we'll go from there. Richard Russo is the author of eight novels, most recently Everybody's Fool and That Old Cape Magic, two collections of stories and the memoir Elsewhere. In 2002, he received the Pulitzer Prize for Empire Falls, which, like Nobody's Fool, was adapted to film in a multiple award-winning HBO miniseries. In 2016, he was given the Indie Champion Award by the American Booksellers Association. And in 2017, he received France's Grand Prix de Literatura Americane. He lives in Portland, Maine, with Barbara,
1: who, who
0: we get to meet mm-hmm. in The Destiny Thief. Um, so, Rick, thanks so much for being being here today. I'm really thrilled to see you. Okay, I'll stop saying that. Um, so the this so you have a memoir in your um, prolific publications. Mm-hmm. Um but, but a book of essays. This is this is different. Right. So um how so? Like, why? Why did this seem like the time you just have them all lying around?
1: <laughs> you well, spoke at Colby you College.
0: Laugh. You're like, you yeah. know, essay.
1: <laughs> you uh, you laughed, T, but it's it's it, that's pretty close to true, actually. Over the last probably some of these essays go back 15 years. One at least goes back 20 years, and. Part of the reason that they've come out now is just that one day a few years ago, I kind of looked at these things sitting on my desk and they looked like they were about the size of a book or would be if I if I if I stuck them together. And the reason that they were lying around to begin with is that um, over that period of time, uh, a decade or a little more, people have sometimes asked me to come someplace for like an arts and lecture series and they don't really want me to read from my most recent novel. Uh, but they do want me to talk, which meant that I had to do something <laughs> and and so i would I would write something I would write an essay on humor or I would write an essay on destiny or i would i would uh, you know write an essay on dickens and and um, and i would I would take it out on the road with me um, and um and do that until I got sick of the sound of it and then i and then i 'd put it away and and write something else. And so, yeah, after a period of 15 years or so, I, I kind of looked at it. And, and what really made it a book, I suppose, is that when I did look at these, there did seem to be some sort of common thread in there, that there was, and it's, you know, my last book of short stories is called is called Trajectory. And that's a book um, in which uh, there's, there are four long short stories or novellas, and and um, the thread there was that these are people who have reached a certain age in their life where they're trying to make sense of things, and they're looking – in order to do that, um, they're looking backwards. You know, you get to be – in my case, it was around 50, but people – you know, you, you, you get a little bit long in the tooth, and you begin to see the pattern uh, in the carpet, uh, and, and and in order to, to make sure uh, of the pattern that you're looking at, uh, you tend to start looking backward, trying to make trying to make sense of things, throwing out things that don't seem to matter and, 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 and focusing on what does. And those four, four short stories and trajectories were all about people doing exactly that. And this uh, collection of essays is nonfiction, but I think it's the same link in a way. This is me at that point in my life trying to make sense of things, uh, of, of, of my own life, of art. Uh, what is it? craft, humor, all the things that all the things that I've been uh making use of in my fiction for all this time.
0: And that matter to you.
1: And that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so there they were.
0: And so was that sort of that it feels like it was an epiphany of sorts then when you saw that in and on your writing table.
1: Well, I'm always the last to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it was Inspector Clouseau who said every right. Inspector Clouseau, I believe, said every move I make is carefully planned. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which I, was I which, that. which was, as yeah. I recall, a lie, right? <laughs> because nothing he was doing was carefully planned, but he did want people to believe that. Right. Which I think is kind of interesting, because in a way, don't most artists want to do that? I think the, the 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 final illusion for most artists and I'm not talking just about writers here. I think we all have a stake in making other people believe that we knew what we were doing from the beginning when nothing could be farther from the truth at least in my case. And so, yeah, I am the last one to know sometimes about what's what's going on in my head and why I keep going back to certain things and 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 um um my 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 life as an artist, if you if you kind of look at the trajectory of of of, of my work, is 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 a is a is a list of certain um, um, obsessions that I that I keep going back to,
0: and it's not because, well. Maybe I should ask you because <laughs> you're here.
1: You know, yeah, I'm handy. Like,
0: <laughs> well, it's and it's not because you've been rewarded for those obsessions. I mean, though you have been. I mean, yeah, Pulitzer I Prize. Yeah, that's yeah. that's like yeah, you know have. that's yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and and also having like finding. um, carving out like a stable uh, a place to be and, and where it would feed the work as well, yeah. right? Um, but but that's not how obsessions work though, right? Because when you're saying it's like you've, you've had these obsessions, it's not just because they work that you return to them. It's because you're still l-
1: yeah. looking. Often it's much or, more because they don't. Work. or don't so, work. In, okay. in, Yeah, So what do you mean by that? It's, it's on something the surface, that it something might. that you're probably never going to get to the bottom of or the or, uh, um do you know the British writer uh, David Mitchell uh Cloud Atlas Yes. And seven, he's you know, a friend of the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he's he's such a fine writer. He I I read an interview of his a number of a number of years ago in which he posits that that there is uh to his way of thinking, some some link between creativity and mental illness. And I I don't uh necessarily disagree with that, actually. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 I don't. And I think um, you know, as I have written in my memoir and probably implied in some ways throughout my fiction, um um i don 't want to say mental illness exactly, but obsessive compulsive behavior cuts a pretty wide swath through my family um, and certainly uh, certainly through uh, on my mother 's side through the female side uh, of the family and on my fa- and my father 's side kind of the main uh, kind of the the um, the male side of the family my my father was uh, was at times, at most times, actually uh, a compulsive gambler, and um, I thought I was going to be uh, for a while um, when I was when you were in grad school, or well, when you were in
0: Arizona. Yeah, like those when I years was, or exactly
1: what? those those years that I was that I was in Arizona studying. Uh, I thought at the time uh, to be a professor. Um, uh boy i hate to, i, I you know, it's it's in one of my books but even even now i hate to repeat it there was a time when I gave blood uh to get into a poker game so that's i mean that's 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 the- definition you know compulsive behavior right and um you know it was it wasn't gambling on my on my mother's uh on my mother's side of the family, but there was a lot of obsessive compulsive um behavior that that um um as I say, on the female side of of uh, 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 of that um, and um, i I found that that you know it, it came to me fairly late, late in life that that I had inherited i knew i 'd inherited the gambling the the potential to become a gambler. Um, from of that my, from my old man because that
0: feeling yeah. like searching out some type of risk or yeah. or heightened yeah moment.
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Um, i didn 't was it was it was in my when my mother was was becoming more ill that I realized that I, in actually kind of in writing my memoir that I realized that was a book that i I, I wrote because I, I think in the back of my mind I wanted to explain why we had such a hard time, she and I, and I thought it was because. We were so different and it turned out to be, of course, speaking of being the last one to know, uh, it turned out, of course, to be the exact opposite of that was we were having a tough time because uh, uh, we were we were really an awful lot alike. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. And, but and you I discovered
0: I, that before she she died. Yes. As well. So you had some sort of uh, reckoning.
1: Yeah. Together, yeah. And
0: did she see it too? Did she know it, or had you all, both always had this idea that you're <laughs> well, so different? Well,
1: you know, with I think I think with my mom, when you say did she know, I think you I think you have first have to define the word know. Uh What what exactly do you mean by that? Because I yes, I think she I think she knew um, from the time that she was a very young woman that there was something. I don't want to say that there was something wrong with her because that makes it sound much more dire actually than it was but she but I think she recognized certain quirks in her behavior that were common in the family but not necessarily common outside the family. Um and yet she spent her whole life um trying to pretend that wasn't true and and, and largely succeeding too. Um and so that um so did she know? Well, yes, yes and no, uh, right. I think. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, well and so and it sounds like you're saying that there's a way that you are able to take maybe this compulsion mm-hmm. and and channel it into the work of the writer like a way like to to connect the compulsion to the creativity mm-hmm. so that it's 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 how you take yeah. or
1: yeah well i mean obsessive compulsive behavior is almost always destructive um uh and sometimes you know, terribly destructive, life-threateningly destructive. Um, And one of the great blessings, one of the great blessings of my life uh, really was discovering writing because I can take that, I can take that, um, that obsessive part of my, uh, of my nature and just turn it into draft 17, (laughs) draft 19, draft 23. You write the sentence, you write it again, you turn it around, you look at it from all these different angles until, until Finally, you know, and whatever draft that is, it, it either satisfies you or you become convinced that from that point, you're only going to make it worse. Uh, And so um, where uh, for a lot of people in my family, that obsessiveness um, and um, the ritual, the ritual nature of obsessive behavior um, was, um, you know, put them in, put them in smaller and smaller and smaller boxes, you know, and for me. Not only did I turn it into a tidy living <laughs> somehow, but actually uh, but actually writing expanded my world. Um, you know I write for the same people that most people read you know to find out what 's going to happen and so so for me, it was this this obsessive all of all of my all of my ritualistic behavior was a way of making my world larger whereas just about everybody else i knew got 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 compressed contained into, by you know, it. And, and contained by it you know and mastered by it
0: so was that part of your interest also in thinking more deeply about dickens and like these expansive worlds but that are highly detailed but yeah. that are sort of unfolding and
1: yes and i think and i think um, if you look at dickens' life not not just his art but his life, you see many of the same obsessive compulsive characteristics that I have that I have noticed um, in in, you know, in myself and my and uh, in, 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 in my family, the things that I can um, that I've been able to zero in on. I mean, Dickens is a man who late in his career um, used to give readings virtually sometimes when he was on tour, he'd be giving a a reading every night and they weren't like readings that you see now. They weren't like 10, 15 minute readings. He would read sometimes for an hour and a half to, to um, um, a huge auditorium full of people. And um, he used to like to read um, the scenes uh, towards the end of Oliver Twist, where Bill Sykes kills Nancy. And um, as his health was failing, um, and his doctors were telling him, "You have to stop this. You, you, I mean, if you're going to read, number one, don't do <sighs> this. Don't do this so often. But don't read the thing that's killing you um, every night. But that's what he did. That was the that like was the he passage. had to
0: return to it.
1: I think so. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and so, yeah, as an artist, it expanded his world, but but uh, it also thank god i haven't felt anything like that yet i i'm not i'm not on the road reading something every night that sends me back to my hotel room uh, in some in some state of emotional decay right
0: right yeah, yeah. well thank goodness yeah. Thank goodness. okay we're gonna take a short break okay. on that note right? okay let's let's do <laughs> today on the program richard russo is here the destiny thief essays on writing writers and life out with knopf um i'm t hetzel we've got frank behind the glass and michelle is our studio audience we'll be back Welcome back. You've got Living Writers, and if you just tuned in, I'm so glad you did. Um, today on the program, Richard Russo is here. Um, Rick, thanks for choosing the songs for today's program.
1: Oh, it's, well, it's nothing I like more than curating music. <laughs> Yeah. And that song, um, Land of Hope and Dreams, actually features prominently uh, in the last essay in this book, uh, The Destiny Thief, which is called The Boss in Bulgaria. And the essay actually has kind of an interesting uh, Michigan connection to it because um, a writer friend of mine who is well known in these parts, Elizabeth Kostova,
0: Friend um, of the
1: show. Uh, yes, uh, another friend of the show. Uh, um, um, and became a friend of mine a number of years ago, which was why she asked me to be part of a uh, a group of American writers and British writers who went uh, to Bulgaria uh, to, to meet with and talk to a bunch of Bulgarian writers uh, who... You know, it hasn't been that long since the fall of communism over there. There's this whole generation of, of Bulgarians who are able to speak their minds for the first time. Uh, and... Um, in their lives, in their parents' lives, in their grandparents' lives, and and you know what do you what do you do when you have that 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 long and enforced silence and and so Elizabeth is doing great work over there with her foundation to to um, uh, to bring um, talented emerging Bulgarian writers together with with British and American writers. So I was over there I was over there doing that and was on a um, was on a, 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 a a television show with some, with some other Bulgarian writers and artists where, where this song, this song was, was, was playing.
0: And they, yeah. so they chose it for you to play on the show. Cause you like, as you set it up, you didn't know. Cause the first few bars you were like, Hmm, yeah, I'm supposed yeah, yeah. to be reacting here and I'm on camera. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, they, they had asked because, um, I mean, they had a copy of, of my most recent novel, but, um, as you do sometimes when you 've got somebody that you 've never had on your show before you maybe don 't know that much about you, you just and, and you 're trying to fill in the gaps for for your for your audience. Uh, they wanted to know, so they had me fill out a form before I even came to Bulgaria, which is this, what are, you know who are some of your favorite um, uh, other other writers living and dead you know painters singers. And so, you know, I, I mentioned Dickens and Twain, and I mentioned Edward Hopper, and I mentioned Springsteen. Um, and I think he was the only, uh, you know, I just, just mentioned a few, and I mentioned Springsteen. And so they surprised me in the studio at the end of my segment playing that very song. Um, and um, I don't know how common this is among other American writers, but I never, I never feel more like more of an American writer than I do when I'm abroad and um i can be i suppose as critical uh of of my country um uh as 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 anybody uh but i certainly think of myself as a a patriotic american and i you know, i say that here on um uh june 6th d day my dad was a d day guy um and Survived. Um, yes uh utah beach um and um, um and, and and i never feel more American really than when i 'm in when i 'm abroad um, and and that was the case when suddenly they sprang here I was on the other side of the world in Sofia, Bulgaria. Listening to Springsteen, and I, and I thought my head was going to explode. It was, it was, it was wonderful, but I thought I was going to break down crying, <laughs> which, which I really did not want to do, <laughs>
0: because the people there were performing it. There was a pianist, yeah, yeah. and then they brought more people onto the stage, like <clears throat> yep. as musicians, and yeah. singing the song. And so you even, I'm imagining how you have it in the essay. It seems you're hearing the words in yeah. you know, a different way somehow Yeah.
1: Yeah, and they're coming. I was doing the whole thing through a translator and I had on headphones and and as I was looking there's that slight delay. Sometimes you know when you're listening some, to something through headphones even though this was playing in the studio audience, I was I was I still had headphones on and I was listening and but there was just that half beat behind and I couldn't tell whether the singer was singing uh English was 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 an English speaker or 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 was fluent in English um or whether he might have been he might have really just studied the song phonetically and was and was and was singing sounds <laughs> that he didn 't necessarily know the meaning of but and those
0: sounds made sense to you but yeah there, yeah they, they and, and somehow it. it
1: was even more poignant because here I was in Bulgaria uh, meeting with these Bulgarian writers who had fairly limited knowledge, most of them of 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 english and although it was a awful lot better than my Bulgarian, I had no knowledge of of Bulgarian. But to be in to be in on the other side of the world um and uh, to hear someone singing what I thought of as a great American anthem. Um and 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 perhaps to be singing those words phonetically and not necessarily uh knowing what this would mean to an American. Um all aboard, Bruce says at the end of the at 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 the end of the song. um, um Saints and sinners all aboard. That's the American dream in a nutshell, isn't it? And um uh yeah, it was it was a very emotional experience at the time.
0: And, and I have to say reading that paragraph it also became that for me at the yeah. at the end of Yeah. End. So was that important for you in the imagining this this series of essays when you were putting together the book? Is that why this is the the anchor the
1: last essay or i yeah, i think of it as uh, actually as a companion piece to the to the first essay in the book the destiny thief is is really about the beginning of my yeah. career um and the boss in bulgaria um, um you know takes place you know after i've won the pulitzer that's one of the things that they want to talk to me about on the on the on the tv station and and um um so it's 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 a kind of artistic destiny that that kind of loops through this through this book as a kind of it's the missus it's the mississippi river that 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 runs through this book
0: and it but it also seems like it has another layer beyond the personal even like in this time since the book is published in 2018 yeah and so even though when you were in bulgaria it was yeah um not this yeah this year but but in the present political climate and yeah what it is to it I made me think, um, like, this this story, because you say in, in this, like, it's not really a spoiler, and you've already said it. You're yeah. proud, you know, yeah. it, you felt like as when you were abroad, you felt like as a way that you were proud yeah. to be an American yeah. and yeah. End of its people. Yeah. And although we don't always do things <laughs> to yeah. be proud of, of course, but it feels like in writing this, you're going against the idea of make America great again. Yeah, because it's so. it's.
1: Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> and so I yeah. found that very emotional. Yeah, yeah. It does have a kind of emotional um, um, resonance uh, to me now, especially now, um, because most of the things that trouble me uh, about our uh, about our nation uh, 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 were not fully known at the time that. I was in Bulgaria. I don't think that that um we would have imagined. I certainly I certainly didn't imagine at the time that that our institutions would come under attack from within, uh certainly. So, yeah, and the book coming out right now um seems I don't know, it's it's serendipitous, but it feels right.
0: Yes, yeah. And are you finding that as you as you are traveling on the tour now um are when people are coming to see you, or maybe they haven't read the essay yet because they're going to buy a copy yeah. when they see you. Yeah, well,
1: you know, it's 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 funny because when you go on when you go on tour for a hardback, and this book's only been out for you know two or three weeks, so when you go on tour with a hardback, um, it's very different from when you go out uh, a year later on with the, the paper, paper with the paperback because everybody <laughs> by then a lot of the people in the audience will have read it and they will they will know what's they will know what's coming uh, at the beginning. Um, I mean, my first event was was on publication day, so so you know nobody would have if you didn't if you hadn't gotten some sort of advanced readers edition or something like that you wouldn't you wouldn't know. But um, um, yeah, it, it, it'll 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 be interesting to see how this book plays in the coming um, um, weeks and months. And I and I've had a and I've had a chance to write over the last six months some additional things that that don't appear in this book. I mean, after the after the most recent presidential election, um, I had been asked by NPR um, um, a couple of weeks before um, the election to see if, I, if if I would come on um, and, and talk, talk about,
0: about your characters and talk and talk about. And,
1: but I but I don't think anybody at NPR, nobody at NPR or or anywhere really anticipated the way the the election was going to turn out. But um, that that. Um, as we all in my family watched the watched the elections, re- election returns that night, you know, at some point when it became clear what was going to happen, everybody else very sensibly went to bed. But I was going to be on the radio the next morning talking about. it.
0: And you were. I was. Because yeah. I that yeah. was also on NPR because when kind of um, yeah. looking you up online, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, both of those came yeah. up. I,
1: yeah and you know it's 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 odd because in my career I have always I have always been viewed I think um as a writer of entertainment and I, I don't mean this I don't mean to suggest that people haven't taken my work seriously because they have but I don't think that I've I've ever been thought of as perhaps as an as a certainly not as an intellectual writer or as a writer um um who's who's um Whose primary emphasis is either intellectual or ideological or or any of those or or any of those things, um, and yet now that we have um, this particularly populist president uh, winning an election that nobody, in, including Mr. Trump, I think, saw coming. Um, suddenly I've been called on for my political opinions, which is just at this point in my career is just so strange. <laughs> because I remember going to, uh, after, after Empire Falls won the Pulitzer, the very next day, um, my wife and I flew to Spain because my book was coming out um, uh, there. And of course, nobody anticipated in any way that that, that that book was going to win that prize. And so, so, um, I did the I did the uh, I did the interviews, uh, and at some point that night, because the phone just kept ringing, at some night I had to unplug the phone. The next morning, my wife and I, on our way out the door, just plugged the phone in and ran. <laughs> <laughs> <Right. Ring. laughs> we, flew to, we flew to Spain, and there, the Spanish press, the European press in general, but the Spanish press in particular, is very much more politically uh, and kind of culturally. Um, uh, oriented than the American press, and they immediately swarmed me when I got there, because they thought, looking at the title, that Empire Falls was about the fall <laughs> right. of was about the fall of America, and um, that I was that I was some blatantly left wing um, um, writer who had won. The Pulitzer Prize in America because of a political screed that <laughs> I been foretelling, foretelling the fall of America. Well... And, when, <laughs> and when and when they learned that that's not what the book was about really at all, they lost interest in me in about two seconds flat. <laughs> you were up on their shoulders,
0: and then they were yeah, scattering. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, You could
1: see there was like oil on water. Just <laughs> everybody, everybody heading for the everybody heading for the exits. But
0: what? I, cr- I didn't even. I didn't even. Think of the title on that. Let's take a short break and then let's come back and okay. talk about this, okay? okay. Empire Falls and that, that double meaning. Yeah. Of that. <laughs> um, today on Living Writers, Richard Russo is here. Um, his, his collection of essays, The Destiny Thief Essays on Writing, Writers, and Life on the Table with us. I'm T. Hetzel. We'll be back. Things that I do, no, I can take you home. Welcome back. If you're just joining us today on the program, Richard Rousseau is here. Um, and you've got living writers on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm T Hetzel. And really Loving talking with you, Rick. <laughs> so thanks again for coming down to the studio. Yeah. Um, and for picking the songs yeah. too and hearing, hearing Bruce. Um, so empire falls, would you, when you were writing this novel and mm-hmm. then deciding how to title it, and did you have any idea there could be this double meaning? Cause before the break, we were talking about how you were arriving in Spain yeah. after being awarded the Pulitzer prize. Um, yeah. They thought maybe you were predicting the future, you know, and finger on the pulse, or or yeah. maybe actually more of a swami even, or so, yeah. <laughs> a fortune <Yeah>. teller. Where <laughs> <Yeah>. he <laughs> came up with that? Yeah.
1: Well, the, the title, um, my titles come in a, in a lot of different ways, but this is this is the only this is the only book that I've ever had with a with a title that was actually a typing mistake. Uh, in that, um, I had uh, Miles's Restaurant. Uh, in that book, My, the main character's restaurant is called the Empire Grill, and there were a lot of other Empire names. Um, and of course, I come from the Empire State, and and all of that. So, um, so Empire was just the word that I had used for the for the grill. That was Miles's restaurant. And I think at that point, I'm not sure if I had a different title or or I had no title at all. Um, but but the. But the, the the restaurant was just up from the head of the falls because the river in that in that novel plays an enormous part in the kind of cultural and political landscape of the town because the uh, um, uh, Charlie Whiting um, the 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 second of the Whiting the second of the Whiting heirs makes this this critical move where his father uh, who built. Um, who built the mill and built the town, basically, lived on the same side of the river as his workers, right? But Charlie, when he builds his dream house, he builds it on the other side of the river, separating himself from the people who are making all of his money. Uh, And that part of the river was called the Head of the Falls. And at one point, uh, I was typing along, thinking I was going to type Empire Grill, and I typed Empire Falls, and I went back, and I and I went back and deleted it, and started and started to type "grill" over it. And then I thought, well, wait a second here, wait just a second. Um, maybe that's the name, not just of the grill, but maybe it's the name of the town. Maybe it's the name. Maybe it's the name of the novel. And maybe, in fact, what we're talking about is is um, a point in the history of uh, of Our nation in which decisions were being made like that wealth is being suddenly wealth is being um, thought of differently. Um, People all over the United States, uh, people, people who have a lot of wealth are beginning to are beginning to segregate themselves from people who don't have much and and to want and to want to form uh, enclaves. And I was thinking at the time as kind of the beginning of of uh, of a nation that was going to end up doing that, and we're seeing the end we, we were seeing the end of a lot of things in in empire Falls. we were seeing the end of of um um, kind of the Catholic Church's reign, and 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 because the church uh, that Miles paints in that book is very important symbolically too, and so there were a lot of kind of cultural and political institutions that were that were dying and falling, and so I think um, maybe maybe that's the in the back of my mind something was telling me to to type falls instead of instead of grill, but once I saw it. See, writers don't have to be smart enough to figure things out, but I think they do have to be smart enough to recognize. To see it. That's right. right.
0: Yeah. It is. It's you about know?
1: seeing it. Yeah, and yeah. If you it. if you if, if you if you see it and you're too stupid to recognize it really you don't deserve it. It's not yours. Yeah, it's not yours. You may have yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's it sounds like you also are a believer in like the process, like where you're sitting down and you're writing and that's how you are finding the story is that right how you like you're you're it's not like it's mapped out when you're starting you're you're going with the characters and
1: yeah yeah with with um the only exception the only exception to that I think being in screenwriting you probably have to be able to think a little bit farther ahead Robert Benton and I once one of one of the movies that he and I did together was um uh was a detective story um called twilight and it had we wrote we worked on it for a long time but screenplays are typically 90 95 pages 100 pages something like that and there's a lot of white space on those pages and you really you really have to do you have to, it's a good idea that they all they all have kind of three acts and you have to figure out what those acts are going to be and do uh but benton's a writer um in terms he writes movies the way i write novels you just set some Turn some people loose if they're interesting. If you find them compelling, let's find out what they're going to do. So great partnership. But it was a great partnership. The problem was that we got we got to about page 60, uh, 2 thirds of the way through, and one day Benton looked at me and I or I looked at Benton and said, "All right, who did it?" Right. <laughs> I know. And and I there and were I, no and takers he, yet. He, he said to me or I said to him, "Oh, I thought you knew." <laughs> so, but normally, no. If you're not writing a mystery story or if you're not writing a thriller or or something like that, you. You, uh, you do. You, in in that case, you do well to plan. But I think in, in the case of most of the novels, uh, most of the my work is is um, is discovering who these people are through letting them speak to me and, and watching them behave, and and that's where the story is going to be for me most of the time.
0: And and the voices are also seemingly really genuine. Like it's. Oh, thank you.
1: That's. Um, yeah, I have to make those. Dialogue is, as I used to tell students when I was teaching, dialogue is, is the most artificial of all of the. It's, it's as you say. It's, it's supposed to sound absolutely natural, but in point of fact, it's the most artificial of of all the fiction writing techniques. If you ever, if you ever transcribe, um, real human speech, you know, put a microphone in the. In the middle of the table, sometime at a dinner party, and then just type up what people say. <laughs> you know, it's nothing you'd want to read.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, well, yeah. because so much is visual yeah, cues yeah, or, or yeah. other sounds or something, right? Yeah, it's other all things it's, that feed it and
1: a lot yeah. of it is informational too. People telling people facts of things, and really in, in dialogue, just all about attitude, and that's that's what you're that's what you're after with uh, uh, with. With good dialogue.
0: Well, was the dialogue, was the voice of the character one of the first things you found? Because when I was rooting up on you, yeah. um, there was like this, like your first novel that, that you wrote in Arizona. Like yeah. you were, you had like about 40 pages, which the the, the writing, your yeah. writing teacher said, that's
1: the bright yeah, spot yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the only what? bright spot, and in, 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 in a three hundred and some page book, no. I, 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 I would just back up to to make a, a small um, uh, uh, point out a small difference. Um, voice, and when we're talking about dialogue, is is how your characters sound to you. The kind of voice we're talking about now, finding an authorial voice, that's about how you sound to yourself. What's w- when you sound most like when you sound most like yourself, uh, is, is what I think of as my authorial voice. And it's, and it's, it's kind of the voice that I have when I sit down to write, as opposed to the voice that I speak with, you know, when I first wake up in the morning or say hello to my children or, or, you know, any of, any of that real life stuff. It's, it's kind of like who I become when I sit down to, to tell a story.
0: And, and would you say that's even true in the essays?
1: um i I would now yeah yeah i had um I had a close writer friend um say to me, and uh, just recently, as a matter of fact, after this book came out uh, and he had and he had finished reading these essays, um, and he said um, um, that he thought that the voice in these essays, where I was not telling quote or I was not making up a story, I was not inventing an awful lot um, and he he said one of the things that surprised him was that that my voice in these nonfiction pieces was almost identical to my to my voice when I'm writing a novel which i considered um i think he was just making an observation uh he may have known that he was complimenting me uh but i took it i took that as a um as a as a as a real com- as a real compliment
0: and and why is that
1: um to you um i I don't know, T. Maybe it's maybe it's that maybe it's that I have um um am, am coming to at this point in my life um the kind of honesty that a writer looks for. Um because a false voice a voice that's not really yours means that you're either putting on airs or 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 not telling the truth. So I think if the voice we talk, we, we, we talk of voices ringing true, don't we? Yeah. yeah. And, and we take, and I, and I suspect that that may mean that in some way the voice is is the voice convinces you that, you that that the person speaking to you is telling the truth.
0: Yeah. And it is something that as a reader, that it's instinctual in mm-hmm. some way and accumulates yeah. as a piece moves yeah. Forward. Yeah, and and, and when you and book, when you read books. a when
1: you read a book written in the first person, um, a, a you know a a book like Moby Dick, Call Me Ishmael, or or Huck Finn, you don't know about me without you've read a book by Mr. Mark Twain <laughs> called those those voices. The first and really the the principal job of the voice in the first chapter of a book is to convince you that the person that you're talking to is trustworthy, is telling you the truth. Because that's the only reason why you would stay with it, right? Right. right i think and it's also I'm the sure. only reason not to write it in third person otherwise i mean third person i think is default if you're writing in first person you have to have a specific reason i think and it's that and it's that voice it's that sense of voice if you don't have that just put it in third person there's no other reason to be there or so i used to tell my students back when i was trying to get them to well and it's also like
0: (laughs) wait one of your like one of your beliefs like it's something that you've come to like as you've been out and you've put in the hours like in the in the first essay getting good or oh sorry the second the second essay um getting good you you're talking also about um part of it part of writing might be um talent or luck Mm -hmm. but also it's putting in the hours yeah like all of those things or
1: yeah I mean, every now and then you hear a story about somebody like John Cheever uh, thinking one day, maybe I'll be a writer, and then selling his first story to the New Yorker. You know, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> two months, two months later. For most of us, it's more like five years later, <laughs> and it's and it is that and, and that's is,
0: still with luck in some ways. Yeah, and, and you're and still and you, and you still have to be yeah. lucky,
1: even if you put in the ten thousand hours, even if you, uh, even if even if you're faithful and 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 you respect your craft and and. Um, as you say, if, if you put in the hours, you still got to be lucky at the end of all of that, too.
0: And and so when you say respect the craft, because that's also part of what getting good is is circling around mm-hmm. too. Um, your observations about more the current moment of um, like online publications versus like the the, the old publishing house system mm-hmm. or so, and and also the speed that's involved yeah. um, in this. Um,
1: well, you know, I, I I'm not sure every writer would agree with me uh, on this, but but I think, as, as I say in one of these essays, I think the, the, the most consistent thing that art has asked of us, not just writing but painting, everything, uh, all the arts, uh, if it's asked anything of us over the last two three thousand years, it's to slow down. You know, slow down. If you go if you go to uh, if you go to the Chicago Institute of Art, don't try to see everything there. You know, not in, not in one not in one afternoon. You know, don't don't don 't buzz from from painting to painting slow down that 's the, the the artist is asking that of you to slow down and and good writing is like that and it, it's trouble, it's troubling to me that that um, um, you know so much of the technology that we have now um, that 's specifically built for writers is built for speed and if speed kills what 's going to happen to a generation of what 's going to happen to a generation of writers whose tools whose very tools are, are built for speed, what is that going to tell them about what they're doing? What, what kind of impulses, what kind of instincts Conditioning. Are, going to, uh, yeah, are, are, are going to be reinforced by that?
0: Because I do like in this essay, Getting Good, like you also, you liken yourself to the long distance runner. Yeah. like that's, And that's what you you would be, right, yes. if you were running. And, yes, and, yes, and a and marathoner, so the, yeah. so the novel would be your, yeah. your choice and, and that's right. the, the taking the time and having yeah. some time to not know what's happening in it can make it... Right. What
1: and, what if, and, what if, what, and what if and what if 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 you what if you know what you're trying to do is is a marathon and and you're working and you're and you're working on tools that are built for a sprint? Right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck tendons. Yeah. Or whatnot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Let's take a short break and then okay. we'll come back today on Living Writers. Richard Russo is here. The Destiny Thief: Essays on Writing, Writers, and Life. I'm T. Hetzel. You've got Living Writers. We'll be back. <laughs> Welcome back, you've got Living Writers. I'm T Hetzel. Today, Richard Russo is here in the studio. Um, Rick, before before we're at, we're in our last quarter here <laughs> together <laughs> on the playing field of Living Writers Radio, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, would you Would you read from um, the the Destiny Thief: Essays on Writing, Writers, and Life? Um,
1: I would be delighted. <clears throat> I've written a lot about destiny in my fiction, not because I understand it, but because I would like to. At the risk of sounding falsely modest, I have to say that I'm not aware of anyone—teacher, family member, friend— who predicted anything like the great good fortune that has befallen me in a writing career that I came to fairly late. Some years ago, I ran into an old girlfriend who said she'd been following my work with both pleasure and mystification— I'd always thought you were a nice enough guy, she told me, clearly trying to puzzle through the whole thing and not hurt my feelings. But I never dreamed you had books in you. I know exactly how she felt. I can't explain it even now. Anyone who is interested in my early life can have a look at my memoir elsewhere, though for the purposes of this discussion, a thumbnail sketch will suffice. (laughs) I lived the first 18 years of my life in Gloversville, a poor mill town in upstate New York. Raised Catholic, I was for many years an altar boy. My parents separated when I was a kid, so I was brought up by my nervous mother, who hated where we lived, and by my grandparents, who owned the house we lived in. If my mother was adamant about anything, it was that, as an American, I could be whatever I wanted to be. That I was as good as anybody, I was always to remember this in case anyone had the temerity to suggest otherwise. My almost absent father had come to a whole different set of conclusions. He was part of the Normandy invasion and returned from the war with a personal philosophy that fit neatly onto his favorite coffee mug, which I still have. Here's to you, as good as you are, and here's to me, as bad as I am. But, as good as you are, and as bad as I am, I'm as good as you are, as bad as I am." It was, now that I think about it, the joke version of my mother's mantra. And to complete the gag, the mug's handle was on the inside of the cylinder. Call it an object lesson. That being as good as anybody might not be of much use if you had to go through life with a basic design flaw.
0: Thanks for reading that, Rick. So, why did you choose that to read?
1: Oh gosh, I don't know. I was flipping, I was flipping through the book. You asked me to read something, and my my eye fell on it. But but I do no. It's it, it's it it um, it's 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 at the heart. It's at the core of this of this book that you know most people, certainly a lot of writers, but I think. Most people who have been blessed with some sort of success in their life, and you ask them as they come towards the end of it, well, how did this all work out? How did this, how did this happen? And the story that they often tell is that they made a series of choices. Uh, and that, as a result of these choices and hard work and whatever else they you know they want to put into the mix whatever yeah how, however else, however else they want to however else they want to pat themselves on the back. Um, that, um, that's their, that's their explanation. And my own sense of this, my own sense of, of destiny, um, is that, um, all right, I've had this one life now, uh, which I'm almost 69 years into. And my own sense is that if, um, I had to start it out again on July 15th, 1949, um, again, without any knowledge of how this life turned out and, and I got 99 more chances, Nothing like what has happened to me in this life would be ever likely to happen again. I think there might be some good outcomes. I know there would be some bad outcomes, but I feel it it's a little bit like that lovely Kate Atkinson novel from a, from a few years ago called Life After Life, where the main character, um, you know, she, the main character um, um, in the first hundred pages of the book dies like 17 times, first as a child and then is reborn. And, and, and you know, you go, through this, you go through this character's life during the course of World War II, um, and you go through these characters' life like 18 different versions of it, and they all turn out different, all hinging on certain, on certain, on certain choices, but also sometimes just dumb luck and also certain times fate. This wasn't going to work out Anyway, no matter what she did, sometimes she does the right thing by choice or the wrong things by choice. And and sometimes it's just pure dumb luck. And that's that's my sense of 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 destiny and why at this age um, at at um, at age 69, when I look back at my life, it just seems um, magical in a way, unaccountable. Um, somebody, somebody handed it to me and said, "Here, do this again." I'd say, "Please, <laughs> please, that's not possible." Because it's been
0: so surprising.
1: Yes, yes, it's been it's. My my life has been every bit as um, surprising as the lives of uh, of Miles Roby in Empire Falls and and Sister Ursula in the Horse Child and um, 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 Sully uh, and Officer Raymer in my two fool novels. Um, um, you know, there's a, there's a surprise around every corner. It's a little bit like being a cop. I think the day that you think you've got it figured out watch out, load your gun twice.
0: <laughs> so then you are, and so you're doing like, you're the writer that was like, that's why those characters can be in the world because you were the one to know this and to have that sensibility of surprise and what can happen for.
1: I am open to surprise on, on, on any given day. Uh, when I, when I sit down to write and, um, That willingness to encounter um, the unexpected, the unknown, the surprise um, played out in my life, has played out in my life in a lot of different ways. Um, um, You're a teacher, too, right? Yes. Um, And uh, all those years that I was teaching, um, I could almost figure any day that I went into class with a really good set of (laughs) notes, having thought through exactly what was going to happen that day... Confident of my abilities, confident that that I knew what the students what the students needed to know most, and that I would be able to give it to yeah, them. Yeah, how you were those, going to deliver? That's it. That's right. How I was going to deliver <laughs> that? Yes. And and um, those were invariably the worst classes that I taught. Whereas the ones where I would were um, I knew I didn't have time to prepare. I knew I didn't have enough. Um, uh, information at my fingertips, I knew that there were other things that i hadn 't had a chance to think through, and you would go in and 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 one of your students, because you didn 't have it all planned out, would say something wonderful that in the class would just take care of itself, and so students do that your characters do that if you let them if you don 't have it if you don 't have it all regimented. If you don't give them directions that they're too frightened not to obey. um, Yeah. Yeah. Give these things a chance. So if you're open and if... Well, okay. There's so many things to talk about here.
0: But so how... But I've
1: already told you so much more than I know. (laughs) (laughs) Good for you, Rick. Good for you, Richard Russo.
0: Quote of the day. But so how did it that you... How was it then... Because it seems remarkable to me that you didn't let the Pulitzer derail you in some way or to take away some sense of, um, the surprise or the openness or the un, like the being okay with the not knowing because you're like, I've got like a mandate or I've got backing or I've.
1: Right. Well, I I think that, that was the great blessing, uh, in that was that, um, um, was just timing, Uh, I have always been the kind of writer who when I finish one book, uh, if I finish a book on Monday, I start a new one on Tuesday. So um, when I finished um, and and um, delivered Empire Falls uh, and I knew that, you know, that my my my, I I might have some more work to do after my editor, you know, uh, that 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 kind of thing after my editor makes his suggestions and there would be more work there. But I wasn't going to wait around for that. I started a new book. And um, the paperback was already out. Uh, the paperback of because of the cycle, just the natural cycle of publication, the paperback was was already out by the time um, the book won the Pulitzer. So it was over a year, and during that time, in that year, or um, or or more, I had begun Bridge of Sighs, my next novel, and I was already 250 pages into it. Yeah, because I was a that was a tome that was, was yes, that one. was that's my that's a, that was my longest and 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 my most ambitious book i think and if i hadn't started that already and 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 if the Pulitzer had come out um if it was a if if it was a book that was published late in the cycle um uh, late in the uh, um late in the fall for instance, and the reviews had come out in in if the bu- if the book was published in november um, and um, and the and it was already reviewed and, and, and it won a prize. You know, months after that, I wouldn't have known what to do. Then what do you do right. after, after that? Then you have to ask yourself, what 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 book do you write after you've just won a major prize? I was already 250 pages into, into the that bridge book. of size. So Into bridge Thank of size. To- so there was no question of what it was going to be. I was already completely um, um, uh, entranced with those characters. There was no place else to go. Because you knew them a little bit. I knew them, or you yeah.
0: were finding out. You yeah. were le- le- getting to know sure. And so, it, would you say then trust the working?
1: Like, because you were in it and you were. I wouldn't know what else to trust if not that. I wouldn't know. What else would I trust? I mean, we, we, we know that talent isn't enough. When we, we know that hard work isn't enough. I know lots of hardworking writers, I know lots of talented writers. I know, you know, um, I, I know, certainly know lots of smart writers.